We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. The one and only Michael J. Fachi is in Disney World and uh, he is enjoying his time there. So we have two replacements to fill in the void for him. Uh, he's still delivering that mail. So uh, joining us first, you guys have heard the sports before, uh, David Cole. David, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm just getting back in from spending the day at Gen Con. And <laughs> I think it's pretty appropriate. It takes two people to replace Fachi. For sure, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And then uh, wearing the Wizards cap for Fachi in this one is Carson Stafford. Carson, uh, it looks like, uh, you know, Lincoln had joined us before about two episodes ago, but he's not been able to join us since. Um, he made a comment about Paulo Boncaro being Kyle Kuzma. And now Kyle Kuzma was on Lincoln's favorite players uh, podcast, the Draymond Green show today. So Carson, you know, we're going to have to have you feeling for Fachi here as the wizard spokesman here. So how are you feeling about Kyle Kuzma nowadays? Hey, listen, I think that if anything, call, putting them in the same category is praising Kyle Kuzma. So that he has something going for him there. Anything to prop up LeBron. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so today on the show, we're going to be talking about storylines we're keeping an eye on for this season. Um, I know that uh, Tony East and James Boyd did a podcast last week on Locked on Pacers looking at storylines for the summer, but we wanted to kind of piggyback off that here on this show and do storylines for uh, the season. When I reached out to these guys, David said that he had heard that and he thought maybe we could do something like that for the show. So I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, but want to give credit to them for doing this, the summer stuff. So we're going to do a little bit different here in that. 
Um, and then at the end, we're also going to be doing a little draft here, a little snake draft as fantasy football is getting closer. You're thinking about drafts all the time. Well, we're going to be doing a Pacers draft. We're going to be drafting players uh, eligible from the 2010 NBA draft. So basically from the year Paul George's drafted to now to see how we can build out our five-man rosters with a six-man. And um, I have officially been chosen as a spokesperson for Fachi's team. So in his stead, I'll be picking for him. But uh, we're going to start things off here with our storylines. We'll go back to you first, David. Um, what is the first storyline you're most interested in this uh, this coming season? So this isn't the one that I'm maybe most interested in, but I'm going to save that one for later. So I have okay. a, little, a little bit of a potentially spicy take. We'll see. Um, so one of the things I'm looking at is the trade deadline. So we have several vets that seem um, likely to, to be moved by between now and the trade deadline. So that could happen once the season starts. Um, so we're talking about Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice. We're talking about Miles Turner. Um, I'm going to bring him up a little, bit, a little bit later. And I guess you could say TJ McConnell, although I would be surprised, um, I think as, as everyone would be, um, if he got traded. So, I mean, he's technically still one of those veteran players. So I don't want to leave him out. But it seems more likely that somebody between the three of Buddy, Miles, and Daniel Tice would be traded by the trade deadline. So that's something to watch for is those players, what do they do to uh, increase their trade value? What are, their, are they putting up higher numbers? Are they being highlighted by the team? Um, or are we going to kind of put them on the back burner for favor of playing the younger core? How, do the te- how does the team uh, try, to, try to shop them? But also you don't want to <laughs> give them too much time for fear of not giving Matherin and Halliburton and everyone else their minutes yeah no that's a good point i think this what's interesting about that is just like looking at how the rotation shakes out because there are a lot of guys that need some playing time and if you're looking at tice and turner it's like where's uh isaiah jackson gonna get his minutes where's goga gonna get any of his and then of course terry taylor's involved there as well so it is interesting to keep an eye on that, and I'm sure that Daniel Tice is one of those guys that uh, being on that Rockets team last year before getting traded to Boston, I think people know his value across the league in terms of what he can do, and keeping him healthy might be the most important thing instead of playing him a lot. So I don't know, Carson, if you have any other thoughts to add on to that, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that storyline. Yeah, so I think generally they're one kind of on the flip side of that coin with the bigs, I think for Buddy, it's kind of like you're at this point where you have, you still have a lot of guards on this team. You, you know, you picked up one in that, uh, in the draft in the 31st pick, you have Halliburton, you have Matherin, you have Duarte. Um, and so it's kind of, do you want to put Heald or Duarte at that three spot? How willing are you to have them play those guard, those bigger wings So I think that's like the kind of decision that they're going to have to make there. Yeah, and I agree with that 100%. I mean, that's why we've had so many conversations on this show, like should Buddy start or or should or should Duarte start, you know, over over Buddy? And that's something I'm kind of curious to see, because depending on what they do, I mean, is there any chance they think that maybe Duarte is a six man of the future and they want to kind of keep that starting spot for somebody else, maybe the guy they draft next year if they don't get Victor Wimbanyama, and that way they can already get Duarte kind of uh, solidified in that bench role. That's something I'm keeping an eye on, and I guess since it's kind of one of my storylines, we'll just go pivot to me real quick, not trying to uh, skip you, Carson. We'll come back to you after this, but (laughs) 
I do think that that's something to keep an eye on. It's like, what kind of role does Chris Duarte have this year? I think everybody's expecting Matherin to start next to Halliburton and then whoever plays that other wing position, whether it's Buddy or him, I think that's really important. And I know they want to get Neesmith involved as well. But most importantly, I'm just curious, like what kind of role does Duarte have? Does he play off ball more? Does he get the ball in his hands a little bit more? I thought he looked really good in the summer league in just that one first that one game that he played. Um, I'm just a little bit concerned about that injury as well that he's still suffering from. Um, seems like it's like not fully healed on all the way. So something to monitor throughout the season. I just think Duarte is a very interesting piece because while he is only in his second year, he is like closer to Miles' age than he is the other young core. And it, I just kind of wonder, like, if he's going to have some injury problems, um, is that something to keep an eye on throughout the season? David, I don't know if you have any worries about that, but I, I'm kind of monitoring it. I mean, I do, but only because of the fact that the Pacers recently, especially, have had so many injury issues. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like, of course, like of course, of course <laughs> he's going to have some random, seemingly innocuous injury that will last and nag for months and months and months so it's like you gotta be kidding like the moment that they that um i think it was either tony or it was scott agnes they asked him about his toe and they said that they just like probably was scott because he was in vegas wasn't he so i think he said on his pod he just asked him the question like almost as a automatic like i probably should ask about this kind of thing assuming that he'd say yeah it's great and he's like yeah we're still monitoring it i was like what like wait a minute that should be fine like what are you yeah. even doing to, what are you even doing to your toe <laughs> right i mean like, he missed like how many games towards the end of the season i mean it felt like a month at least i can't and remember it's hard to tell at the end of the year last year how many people were missing legitimate games for legitimate injury reasons and how many people were missing because like you're probably 80 percent, and we want to lose so we'll bench you so it, it's hard to say and maybe you just saying that i don't know but it is a little worrisome given like Warren and Miles and there's so many different nagging injuries that people have had recently. It does. It's definitely something to monitor. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be curious to see what he does plan for his national team before the season starts. But yeah. Um, you know, just, just hoping that he's healthy. Carson, any thoughts on Chris Duarte and his health? I mean, I'm, I would say I'm not too concerned about it. Like you both mentioned, it's something to keep an eye on. Um, and these early years in your career are crucial in terms of player development and especially cause he's on a little bit of an accelerated timeline. It's kind of, you don't really have that. Um, you don't have time to waste anymore. It's go time when you've spent an extra year or two in college. Uh, obviously he just coming to legal eight. Um, you don't, you're kind of, the timeline is expedited and you need to get going. So it's the type of thing where you're, it's in the back of your mind. You don't want to rush him, but at the same time, it's definitely a, concern because if one little thing happens and then it's one season where that he misses and we've seen kind of what that does to guys early on in their career when these those first few seasons are so important and not only your skill development but even just learning how the game how the NBA game is played how the difference in speed and that sort of thing and so um, definitely yeah something to keep an eye on yeah for sure and I'm curious I mean what do you think he'll come off the bench or do you think he should start I, my honest opinion is like I think it would be a bad idea to not start Chris Duarte. You need him to develop. You were kind of counting on him to develop into a role. You do not need Buddy Heald to develop any sort of role on this team. I think I – No role uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, I just think what the upside that – like best case scenario for what Duarte can bring this team is way higher than what 
the upside that Buddy Heald can bring to this team right now, especially moving forward. And so I, uh, especially when we're not trying to win anytime soon, like I think all of Pacer Nation is kind of wanting that top five pick next year. Yeah. Um, and being maybe even in the Victor uh, Wimbanyama sweepstakes. So it's kind of like, what what do you have to gain from Buddy Heald, uh, not only taking minutes, but from your young guys, but also maybe even contributing too much to unnecessary wins? I think it's specifically also to, to jump in, uh, you said develop. I think it's also specifically to develop with certain players. It's not just develop his skill, but it's develop his skill in chemistry with Matherin or with Halliburton. So if he's on the bench, he, they would still find a way to give him minutes with those guys. But if he's starting with those guys, that's an obvious like no-brainer to give them those minutes together. Um, if you're looking to make sure that you develop that chemistry and that skill as a unit, yeah, and no, I was actually going to bring something up like that, uh, very similar to that, because it was reported, I think, by Scott Agnes that they put Matherin and Chris Duarte in the same hotel room together in Las Vegas just so they could, you know, develop that off-court chemistry to get along, you know, see how they mesh together personality-wise. And I think Matherin said something like they were both speaking in Spanish or something like that. I think Matherin knows a lot of different languages, so that's really cool as well. And we know that uh, Duarte spoke Spanish last year with Sabonis when he was on the team. So I think that's something to, that's something to keep an eye on as well, just like they were so adamant about getting those two together. Um, I think since we're fully embracing the youth movement, I'm 100% on board. I want him to start over Buddy, but, you know, it's Rick Carlisle, and I think it's pretty hard to tell what he's going to do. I feel like he's kind of unpredictable with his rotations and stuff like that. I mean, everything, everybody expected O'Shea to be in the rotation start the season and he was on the outside looking in even after he had a really good game against the heat like third game into the season so um Carson let's let's pivot over to your first storyline that you're looking forward to watching this season yeah so I wasn't expecting to um dive too much into Duarte's injuries coming into this season and so that actually kind of serves as a nice segue um into one of my topics and is that as a core can this uh, young group stay healthy we've seen feels like time and time again every time the Pacers seem to maybe strike gold that player's career gets derailed because of an injury and if you, even if it's not their whole career like in the case of Paul George it's their Pacers career which is ultimately kind of what we uh, care the most about at the end of the day whether it's whether it's Danny Granger uh, his Pacers career his whole career really being derailed by injuries and then uh, Paul George and then Vic and so now it's like you're kind of coming EJ. in yeah and so Boy. it's like what I don't think Pacer Nation could handle seeing Tyrese going down oh, I, I think so no well, I'm not trying to um knock on wood that ho hopefully uh he'll finish the season out all right but I think just as a core whether it's Halliburton, Matherin, Duarte or even uh Jalen like moving forward I view those as kind of like the four uh, guys as part of our core rotation and so just seeing those guys be able to stay healthy um, continue building that on-court and off-court chemistry um, just because we cannot uh, see that happen one more time because it's like every, anytime we find that guy who seems to be the next source of like beacon of hope for the franchise, it seems to always go downhill with an injury. So um, I'm just hoping that uh, all those guys can stay healthy and not miss out on these crucial years of their career. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think if I recall right, I don't think Jalen Smith really had too many like ling lingering injuries throughout his two years in the league, neither has Halliburton. I don't think Neesmith has either. But then you look at Goga, he's had injuries in and out. 
I know Isaiah Jackson got hurt like third or second or third week in the season last year um, with that hyperextension, I believe it was, against Toronto. And then, of course, Duarte we just talked about. So um, Matherin, I don't think he's had any injuries in college, so that's a good thing to keep an eye on. But, you know, it, it's like once they get drafted to the Pacers, it's like <laughs> just wait. It's going to happen. You know, it's just like <laughs> something's going to happen. I'm sure these guys are going to miss some time too. Like it's just part of the, you know, ritual of going through 82 game season, you're going to get dinged up and you're going to have to fight through it. And what's important, what's not. I think it's going to be interesting too, Carson to monitor what's a real injury and what's not as a team is trying to lose. Uh, could they shut Halliburton down with like 20 games left in the season? You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things we haven't really talked about, but yeah. maybe they do kind of like OKC did with SGA and Josh Giddy last year, trying to lose as many games as possible. But David, did you have any thoughts on what Carson had to say about the injuries for the young core? I have just thoughts and prayers for the health of the, uh, <laughs> those are my thoughts, just okay. thoughts and prayers for the health of these players. I mean, I, I think I just think that this, as a fandom, we've already kind of fallen in love with Matherin and Halliburton specifically, but also, you know, Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, we're so happy to have Jalen Smith come back. The fan interactions with him last year were amazing. So, I mean, this fandom, like, loves its players, and it's just, it's heartbreaking when you see them just struggle like that. Yeah. You know what? I mean, we fell in love so hard with, with TJ Warren, especially after the bubble. And then, you know, just see him basically hardly play again after that, really, and never really get back to that level, obviously. Um, so just hoping that, that you know, that won't happen again. Now, there is a difference because some of those players that, that um, Carson mentioned, some of them were weird fluke things. But like someone like Warren was someone that was, he was gettable because of the injury history so yeah. you know some of that is bad luck some of that is our own kind of doing as a as a team um but as, as you said alex many of these players don't really have that history so we're just hoping that it stays that way yeah that's a great point too like warren brogdon yeah um, even turner i guess a little bit coming into yeah. the draft like he just had some concerns i know it wasn't a big deal but still just something a little bit off there i mean i think he was obviously Really, I mean, the only other person you could have picked there, I think, is Devin Booger. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. who knew that? Well, I mean, what did he do in college? Like, he didn't have that many points per game. I think it was kind of hard to tell what he could become in the NBA. But, um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of a good point, though. Like, the guys that did go after were injury-prone. Even Karis Silvert yeah. had injuries multiple times throughout his career. So it's like you, you do get a little bit of a – a deal there because you're trading for an injured guy. But David, let's go back to you for your second uh, storyline here. Is this going to be an interesting one? Yeah, I know. For me, it is. I don't know. We'll see. But <laughs> you said me, it's your most important. It's, it's well for me. It's for me personally. Maybe not for the team. I don't know. This is one where I had I had a little bit of a bivany in the back and forth about Miles Turner. So you, you had Bob Bob Kravitz on awesome podcast. I thought he had some really good takes. Um, seemed pretty informed. And then there was a bit, a bit of a pushback and between your podcast covering it uh, both with Bob and the one after Bob and then Tony East podcast talking about it. I kind of had an idea that I'm surprised no one's talking about. Maybe it's just because I'm missing something that's making it like easy to say, Oh, David, that's, that's a dumb idea. So <laughs> if I am, let me know. But to me, one storyline to watch for is Miles Turner's extension and everyone's acting like the Pacers shouldn't do it or that Miles will want too much. But to me, I think there's a possibility that it could be worth extending him and even overpaying him 
specifically, as you've said a few times recently, Alex, the Pacers have done some things to lower his trade value. And I think getting him on a longer contract can actually increase his trade value depending on the amount of money, depending on their confidence in his health, those kind of things play in. But if Miles is like, hey, I want 25 a year, I want 26 a year, there's probably a certain number that he wants that might be too high. And if it is, then that's obviously like, he's like, oh, I want 30. Like, okay, no, sorry. But I, you know, we ha- we're going to have like 50 million in, in cap room next year, something, something crazy. And then it's just going to like, we really won't have to spend any big money until Tyrese in a few years. And I mean, unless they're thinking they're going to go get some whale in free agency, which that's never happened before in Pacers history. So I don't know why they would think that. There's really no like reason to save up tons and tons of money every year, especially if either way, whether Miles in his social media is accurate or Bob Kavitz is accurate. I don't think it really matters. If Miles actually wants out, you just tell him, hey, we're going to give you this deal to try to trade you. People are like, they don't want you right now because it's a one-year deal. Uh, we'll give you this three-year deal, 24 million, 25 million, whatever. It, you know, it'd be a huge pay bump. And maybe that's too much. I haven't looked into the salary enough. I'm not Tony. He's the one that does all the salary stuff. But to me, I think True it might that. be worth, yeah, it might be worth overpaying at, at the right price if they think that makes it more tradable. Because I don't think that he's, I just don't think that he is going to be a part of the core moving forward. I would love for him to be specifically. I think he fits well with Halliburton. Maybe he doesn't, but I think he could. So that's the question mark to watch. Is he, does he come back healthy? And if he does, then I think they need to think about extending him if he plays really well. Cause then that, contract could be more tradable yeah i think you bring up a couple good points and i I think the first one is you know extending him if he plays well you kind of said that there at the end yeah you have Um, to you have to make sure he's healthy and he's not like right well (laughs) he would be but well i think it goes back to you know carson's dallas mavericks and jalen brunson's situation you know they were like well we'll let you see what you can get on the open market we're not going to worry about it and then boom he's gone and they don't have yeah. that replacement and they're trying to tell everybody well we feel like tim hardaway jr coming back healthy is a, getting another free agent you know like you just got to spin the narrative to whatever it can <laughs> <Yeah>. be <laughs> but with the pacers it's like you know if you do if you do give miles miles that extension similar to brogdon i don't believe he can be traded by the deadline so that would mean that you can't trade him at the deadline, but you could trade him next summer okay. if he has that two-year extension, similar to what they did with Brogdon this okay. year. Um, but I, I think that what's important about that is you still got pretty decent value for Brogdon. You still got a former lottery pick in Neesmith, and uh, I guess you could say a serviceable, uh, serviceable veteran in uh, Daniel Tice. I mean, he can play if you need him to. And then you also got a first round pick out of it, yeah. even though you're expecting it to be not great, but it's still an asset that's, you know, first round picks are very coveted nowadays. So I just feel like that's important. So it, it wouldn't necessarily be the worst idea, but you, you did say that you would give them that extension to trade him. I just want to clarify. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have any problem if like, let's just say he's kind of who he has always been this year and they'd go ahead and give him that extension. Do you have any problem with him getting that extension at about $25 million a year if he doesn't really improve from what he's already at? I mean, if he hasn't improved, that's an, an overpay. 
And I think it also it's a, a critical difference is, is if it's a three year or four year. That's to me. It could be two years. Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's cool with two years, I'm okay with twenty five. I yeah. think it's an overpay. It's a it's a big overpay. I think, but <laughs> the thing is, is like, who are you going to give that money to? Like, no, we aren't even we're not even to the floor yet. I don't think even if we do give him twenty five, we're still going to have close to enough room for a max. We could probably make it work. You know, if we get rid of Tyus and Buddy, then all of a sudden we have plenty of of uh, of salary for a max next year, next free agency. Um, so there are some plays to make. And I think it's probably part of why they haven't rushed into anything. Is like they have options still. So why should we pull the trigger ASAP on a Lakers trade for one draft pick and and a you know forty million dollar <laughs> uh, noose? Uh, <laughs> so you know, like there's no reason to rush. So I think they they, they need to make sure the Miles is healthy. They need to you know give him a bit of a showcase. And, it, and it's, to me, it's all about how much does he want. And is he man? Is he like I need three or four years, or I need twenty five, or I need twenty six, or you know, is, is there a certain number he's saying? But honestly, if I'm the Pacers front office, if he's telling me some ludicrous number, that to me is just a red flag that he wants out. So you mm-hmm. just trade him for whatever at right. that point. So I think I think you have to negotiate that. So I think it's something to watch for for him is like, how's he playing? Is he healthy? And then at that point, we start to see what do we think he's worth with this group. What if he does stay? <laughs> so yeah. You don't want to overpay him, try to trade him, and then he wants to stay or something. So you don't want to go too far over that number, but you want to find. I think you you, you don't want to lose him for nothing. That's to me is the biggest part. Right, and and I think I, I forgot to bring this up. Bob Kravitz did go on the radio. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and kind of reiterated everything that had happened over the weekend. And I know the yeah. guys asked him about it, and he basically just said that I didn't hear this from Miles. Okay, the Pacers don't believe he will sign an extension past this season. So he was basically just saying the Pacers have told me yeah, that they don't think they he's going to sign past this, past this season. And that's why they want to move him. And they said, preferably sooner rather than later, same with buddy healed. Wow. And I think part of the reason he's saying that, and I, and it didn't feel like he was speculating because I don't feel like anything he really said in our podcast felt like speculation. It felt no. like he had been told something that he was kind of, you know, very confident in what he was saying. And that's where I was like, look, you might not agree with what he's saying or not want, might not want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. But I feel like after doing a one-on-one with Kevin Pritchard, he probably is getting that information from KP. That's just me speculating what he's saying. But yeah. I feel pretty strongly in my guess there, uh, just going off of that. But I will say this. Overall, I'm kind of curious why the Pacers would want to move him so fast if his value is so low right now. So yep. doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Carson. I want to bring you back in here. I'm sorry we've been leaving you out for a little bit. <laughs> but uh, give me your thoughts on what David said about Miles Turner and what you think his future should look like. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. Um, in terms of an extension, I think I do agree that I would say probably short-term extension is more likely than uh, a long-term extension. I don't think – I personally, from that – the reports from Bob Kravitz. I just do not think that the Pacers see Miles Turner as a long-term solution at the five spot with the core of Matherin, Halliburton, and whoever they take in 23, whether that is a forward um, or it's a center, whoever it is, regardless of who they take, I don't think they view Miles as that long-term solution. So that being said, it's kind of, I think they're kind of in this window of how can we move him for something? Because at the end of the day, Miles is generally, I would say, a top 15-ish center in the league, uh, maybe give or take a couple spots, depending on how many games he's played that season. But 
he is a he's led the league in shot blocking a couple times. He is he can brings a lot to the table, and so it's not like you Art should just jump off um, the first offer that you're given. And we've seen time and time again, granted it's with more of those blockbuster type players, but we've seen so many times what teams get when they are willing to hold on to those guys a little longer. And I'm not comparing him to Ben Simmons. I'm not comparing him to James Harden or Rudy Gobert, but it, there is the precedent there that if you're just patient with it, you can kind of um, a lot of times you're going to end off on a lot better of a foot. That's a great point. I think just to kind of, push back against that. I mean, I know they're not those players, but they also had those longer contracts as well. I think that's the big thing. It's just like him coming in with an expiring deal. The Pacers basically making it known like, Hey, we want to get rid of this guy. Like even as much as Ben Simmons said, I don't want to be here. Like the Sixers said every right to just say, well, we're not going to trade him. So yeah. uh, until we get him, like the Pacers only have like six months to make a deal. And yeah. it's like, that's why I think, and I talked about this on our mailbag a little bit. I just said, He's going to have a, I think he's going to have a great season. I think Faji freaked out when I said he could average 10 rebounds this year, but I really don't think it's that big of a deal. It's like three more rebounds a game. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, people say I'm the, I'm the Turner hater, but I think Fachi's a <laughs> way bigger Turner hater than me. He's just a little bit more closeted with it. But, um, that's a, and that's with Sabonis. That's with Sabonis that's why, not there yeah. anymore. So that's it's like why. at that starting five spot with Sabonis gone, maybe if he's healthy, he's on the court more. So, I think that's definitely in the realm of he's got to prove himself. I mean, look at look at some of the guys and what they do in their contract year. They just they just ball out. And I think he knows that. And I think he's probably a little bit determined, like, hey, I don't want to be here long term. This team's gonna suck. I wanna go, I'm in the prime of my career. I wanna go out and get that payday because like we've talked about it. There's gonna be like 15 teams that have cap space next year. You think he wants to stay in Indiana? I'm not trying to be mean, like he's not gonna say I hate the city, but yeah, if I was him. I mean, I'm honestly saying this. If I were him and I'm looking at the situation, I get it. I might have a bigger role next year for sure. But at the same time, I've been shopped around for the past four to five seasons. I don't feel like I'm valued here. They literally tried to sign a center to a max contract in front of my face and gave him an offer sheet. And he has the same agent uh, as I do. And basically just said, we don't care. We don't think you're the long-term answer. When I can go out there, do what I got to do, and then hopefully try to win a championship by getting traded to a team that's a contender or being able to pick my own destination in in free agency when there's going to be a, a, a ton of teams that need that center. And I think if, you know, you said top 15, I think when we did our center ranking, if I'm not mistaken, I think we had him like top 12. So yeah, I, I'm not uh, opposed to like, I, I get it. The Turner's value is like not high right now, but like if he can stay healthy, like you put him on a team like Toronto and they don't have to give up really anything for him next off season, whatever, like he fits in great there because of the athleticism, what they can do defensively, him just basically having to be the rim protector, like it's perfect fit. Like here in Indiana, like our defenders are terrible. He's, yeah. I mean, he's, he has to do so much. And I think, uh, you know, overall, I mean, he's, he's, a, I think he's a, I want to say he's more of a role player than he is a, a feature player. And I think you guys probably both agree with that, but um, you know, he's going to do great in his role, no matter where he goes, in my opinion, because his role is to be a shot blocker. Yeah. First and foremost. So, um, all right, Carson, let's go back to you. Uh, unless you have anything else to add to that, David. No, not really. I, I do think that like the one thing that you said that was probably that missing piece that was part of why I thought it was like a no brainer or maybe something else was that we, if we do give him the extension, we can't trade him. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if we could, if it was like a 60 day thing or 90 day thing, or if it was next season, 
So yeah. that changed things a little bit, I think, as probably part of it. But I think ideally, you just wait and see how he plays. And if you can somehow say to him, like, hey, we're pushing the deadline. Somehow your value is not good enough for us. We're not going to trade you. But if you want, we can give you this extension. And the, the, the crux of all of it is going to be two things, his health and the relationship with the front office. Because mm-hmm. he has the power. And if and if he feels slighted by the front office, which I wouldn't blame him if, if he did, but if he feels slighted by the front office and he has no incentive to sign a, to sign a uh, extension, and he can just walk if we don't yeah. trade him. I mean, would so, you feel? Would you feel like you feel like be slighted by the front office? Yeah. That were you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's how I feel, and I'm not yeah. even like trying to sit here and play devil's advocate or anything like that. I'm just serious. Yeah. Like, if I felt like I was just like that, like low on the totem pole didn't get yeah. valued that much. Like I always just think about like he talked about when Sabonis got put into the starting lineup that very first time yeah. when McMillan was still there. And he said, yeah, during the off season, they wanted me to go work on my low post game. I was really focused on that. And as soon as I get back for training camp, they're like, well, we're going to put you on the outside now because we're starting Sabonis. It's like, just imagine like. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, what are you going to do? You're going to cry about it? No, you got to deal with it, but you work all summer on something else and then you have to go and do the complete opposite when you get there to training camp. So I can get why he's a little bit frustrated um, with everything, but at the same time, he's still here and uh, he survived everything that's been thrown out there. So it is pretty interesting. Uh, Carson, let's go to your last storyline. Yeah. So with the Pacers, not going to have much, be having much regular season success anytime soon, we're kind of playing for the end of the season. So I think What's the thing that is going to keep Pacers fans excited during the season? I think that's going to be the Tyrese Halliburton hardware watch. Um, That can take a number of forms. Um, So I think the first one is that is in his future is an all-star appearance. Um, But I think, and I think this upcoming season, I think his box score stats, um, I think they're going to be good enough for an all-star spot. However, I just don't think the Pacers are going to be good enough uh, for Tyrese to get those all-star votes, whether it's from the fans and they don't get enough nationally televised games or even from um, media members who value winning. I think generally a lot of times they you have to be a top eight seed to be getting into those spots. And if not, you at least have to be a pretty young hotshot of a player. And he is that, but he doesn't have that flash that Zion had. Um, I mean, who does? And so you either have to be making making noise that season, which the Pacers are not going to be making any noise next season, or you have to be coming off of a deep playoff run, kind of like 
Atlanta uh, last year, even though they kind of got off to a rocky start in the regular season uh, this previous year, two years ago when they um, had a couple surprising wins in the playoffs. So I just don't think that that is feasible right now. But in terms of most improved player, that's an entirely different story. We've had, what, five uh, most improved players in the past? Six. Six. I think it's six. So um, in the past 20-some years. So um, in the most recent four have been Vic, uh, PG, Danny, and J.O. And so I think in this specific case for Tyrese, this is a great way for him to compete for that award because a big part, um, because his numbers from last season didn't really reflect the player he was by the end of the last season, especially because of his time in Sacramento. So I think a lot of people who haven't been uh, keeping an eye on the franchise and on Halliburton specifically will see maybe more of a jump than what they were expecting. Um, because like last year he was at that, what, like 15, eight and four range. And then was like 18, 10 and four as a pacer. So I think yeah. in terms of when you compare those numbers, I think he's going to go from like 15, eight and four to maybe more like a 20, 11 and five guy. Um, and I think that is going to jump out at people. And I think he will definitely be in the running, um, for that most improved player award. And that's always something that's, that always gets pacers fans engaged leading up to, uh, through the season, whether it was a couple, several years ago when it was the uh, the campaign to get Lance into the All Star game that didn't end up working <laughs> out, but I f- felt like they got pretty close uh, back in 2013-2014. But that's always something that Pacers fans always enjoy uh, jumping behind. So I think that's going to be a fun thing to watch and kind of keep the fan base excited um, as a silver lining while we're in this rebuilding process. Yeah, go ahead, David. Share yeah, your thoughts and, on that. Yeah, sure. I think you can also probably throw in um, Matherin for Rookie of the Year, like. Whether or not he gets it or not, I mean, I'm not saying. I think it's probably more likely out of the three possibilities that you, you know, that I'm mentioning and you're mentioning. So, the three options are what's more likely: Halliburton All Star, Halliburton Most Improved, Matherin Rookie of the Year. I think Halliburton Most Improved is the most likely out of the three. Um, but it'll be fun to watch. I mean, this, this first few weeks of Duarte just torching people. And you were like, man, this guy's a shot. Maybe maybe a Rookie of the Year. Who knows? And then pretty quickly, you're like, oh yeah, probably not. But just having something to watch for like that i think because we know we're really rooting for for losses like it's so bizarre but we are so uh but to have something to root for while you're rooting for the overall game to go in the l column i think is really important so you're watching duarte halliburton matherin you're trying to see so you know you're watching matherin you're watching for you know how season how are his numbers stacking up against other rookies and halliburton you know just overall as the team leader you saying that he could average 11 assists. That's going to, that's maybe a little hot, but, but I love it. Um, and I think it was, I think it was Tony East. Maybe it wasn't somebody recently mentioned that a lot of times a most improved player goes to a, a improved player on a good, on a good team, not always a bad team. And we're going to be a bad team, but Brandon Ingram did just win a couple years ago on a pretty bad team. So it's not like, it is like it never happens. So it definitely could happen uh, for the Pacers. Yeah, and I was going to say real quick, I was wrong. It is five, Carson. Uh, Jalen Rose, Jermaine O'Neal, Victor Oladipo, Paul George, and Danny Granger were the five. Yeah. Um, now, there are some former Pacers that did I think you're speaking this. into it. I think you're speaking into existence. I it's am. I can see, we just talked about this with Halliburton, and I got myself confused. I think we were talking about uh, six as, like, he would be the six. Yeah. But uh, Darrell Armstrong was a former one. Monte yes. Ellis. Uh, Scott <laughs> Skiles. Don't say that name. Uh, Aaron Brooks. 
Uh, these are former Pacers, uh, so just interesting. Maybe <laughs> another, maybe a future Pacer, uh, Julius Randle. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I've seen that out there a little bit. Uh, but anyway, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think that that is something to keep an eye on, though, for the season. I brought it up a little bit earlier. I don't know if you remember or not, but I said, like, if Halliburton only plays 60 games, like, does that, like, because they're trying to tank, like, does that impact his chances of winning oh, it? Yeah. Like, I think it definitely could. Yeah. Um, DeJounte Murray was a guy that made the All-Star game last year, and he was an injury replacement, like, I think, like, twice removed or something like that. So <laughs> that's where Halliburton, I think, could get it this year. It's just, like, being an injury replacement. Like, nobody pays attention to that once it's in the record books. But um, I think it could be on the radar just depending on what all um, happens this year. But the ball's going to be in his hands a lot. And if he's going to be surrounded by like the outside shooting, we're hoping he's surrounded by, he could have some really sick numbers. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting though, for sure. Anything else on this uh, Carson before we move on? No, that pretty much wraps it up in terms of uh, Mather and David, you mentioned him. I think uh, for Benedict Mather, I think it's very much in the realm. Of, I mean, he was a sixth overall pick, so I don't see any reason why it's unrealistic to uh, expect him maybe on uh, all rookie first team. I think that's the the type of thing you could shoot for with him as we're watching. Maybe if he can give a run at that uh, rookie of the year award. In terms for that, I think uh, Paolo actually has a almost like yeah. a pretty easy path towards it. He's looking really nice yeah. so far. So kudos to him for putting in the work. Uh, and, but he's also kind of in this golden opportunity. Like you're on the magic. He's poor guard play. He's going to be playmaking <laughs> from the forward spot. Have the ball in his hands all the time. So I think he's just going to uh, – that he's kind of my early prediction for that. But I do think Matherin is going to be fun to watch uh, for that uh, all-rookie team. Yeah, first team. I think Duarte made second team last year, and he only played like half the season. So if Matherin just puts up like 16 points a game or something like that, I mean, I think it's pretty easy slam dunk for him to make it. Um, would be surprised if he doesn't make one of the two. But I think he has a real good chance of making the first one. So I guess I'll wrap it up here with my storyline as we kind of close it out. And uh, uh, this is not really super Pacers related, but I am keeping my eyes on DeAndre Ayton. This is something that I think is going to be fun to watch all season long because we know that he's – I mean, anybody would be happy to sign a max contract no matter what team you're playing for. Uh, Gets to stay in the the state that he's been – in his whole life, basically Arizona. So uh, don't have a problem with him being out there in Phoenix. Like that's cool. I just wonder how that relationship is with Monty Williams. I wonder how the team plays. If the team starts being a little bit underwhelming, does he get a little frustrated with his role? Does Chris Paul wear on him? Like he does every other player that seems to eventually want to move on from him. Uh, it does feel like that's kind of like the personality Chris Paul has. Um, and we've also heard that, you know, Aiton's kind of a laid back guy and doesn't really like to be pushed. Um, that's just what we've heard. I don't really know about that, but you know, I just think it's interesting. Obviously the Pacers can't trade for him by the deadline. It have to be in the off season. It has to be like an exact year from when it was, uh, when that contract was signed with the sun. So, you know, or that offer sheet was signed with the Pacers. They can't, you know, trade for him for a year, but, I do think if there was legitimate interest in both parties at this time um, and, and there's something that the Pacers would be willing to give up, like if the Suns are like, man, we just can't run it back with Aiden again. It's got so bad. Um, we tried trading at the deadline, but it was just like, didn't feel like we'd get fair value. Like what are the Pacers willing to give up at this point? Now that they've already got their 2023 draft pick selected, they've got the class selected there in 2023 as well. Are they really trying to like push that rebuild up? Do they feel like Aiden's that missing piece if they go out there 
and maybe don't get Wimbenyama and get that small forward that they've been looking for for a while now since Paul George left. That's just something I'm keeping an eye on because, like, they have so much cap space. Like, who knows what's going to happen with Durant? Like, what if Durant stays in Brooklyn this year and then all of a sudden he wants to trade it next year for sure? Like, I mean, there's so much to watch, but I just – I'm curious to see exactly how the DeAndre Ayton situation plays out in, in Phoenix, similar to how, you know, we're all curious about Turner here in Indiana. I'm curious about Ayton in Phoenix and if the Pacers will have interest come next offseason with all that cap space. So, Carson, I can see you chomping at the bit. What do you think? Yeah, I think I love this topic because at first glance, like it, you got, like some people might be like, come on, Alex, we had our chance. We blew it. <laughs> oh, there's a blew it. But I think there's like 80% of, our... of the fan base saying that now. Yeah. But <laughs> the reason, the reason why you're not crazy for bringing this up is because the Pacers franchise falls in love with a player. And then that player will be linked to the Pacers for the next three years. Um, <laughs> it's happened with, it seems like so many guys, I mean, it goes back. Like I even remember back in the day, like hearing like, OJ Mayo Pacers uh, and like Gosh, like every uh, year like every year and even before Monta Ellis actually got to Indiana he was like rumored to have some uh, like that Indiana had interest in him even before that and then of course the Gordon Hayward stuff and like and even like the uh, OG Ananobis type stuff so it's like there's it always seems like there's like a guy who the front office seems to like and they believe in him. Uh, that he's a guy that they think they might be able to go out and get or would feel comfortable putting down uh, something for. And so whether – and that goes back to – I correct me if I'm wrong, but is is the trade deadline for Sabonis, is that, was that the first news of maybe Aiton, of Indiana having interest in Aiton? Does that or, originate from the trade deadline? Yeah, I think so. I know that Zach Lowe brought it up. I don't know who else brought it up as well, but Zach Lowe's of the Pacers called around about – um, you know, trading for Aiton and they were interested in Sabonis. And then I heard Scott Agnes say that he heard that it was actually Turner. They were trying to shop for Aiton, not Sabonis, which I thought was interesting. Um, maybe they were trying to get Aiton and Halliburton in the same trade deadline. Like how insane would that have been? But I, I think with Turner's injury. Alex. Huh? Well, I'm <laughs> just saying, like, me. if they would have been able to do that, like, I think people would have been freaking out about the Pacers, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but it just happened. It almost happened in, you know, different settings. But it is interesting. I think that the Sabonis stuff makes more sense to me um, just because I think Sabonis would have been a good offensive player for that Suns team. Now, their defense would have taken a major dip, in my opinion. But, um, you know, they definitely needed offense in that game seven against the Mavericks. So, uh, could have used something there, but no, I, I think you're right though. It's like uh, another, another name you didn't bring up was Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was linked oh, to man. the Pacers for like three years straight. Uh, he, when he was a restricted free agent, he re-signed with the magic, but the Pacers had interest as well. There was talks maybe about a Turner for Aaron Gordon trade at one point. I, be, I remember that going down. So it's just funny. Like there's always names that are linked. Um, David, are you done talking about Deandre Ayton or do you have interest still? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm interested. It's the kind of thing where it's like, I'm interested, but also like nothing can happen for basically yeah. a year. Yeah, so. so shut up about so, it. No, no, no. But like, it, it is. It, it, if it happens, it will be kind of crazy, right? Yeah. You have to say like, what would have to happen? Because initially you thought maybe we could be the third team, right? Maybe we could be the third team in some blockbuster trade. What would have to happen now for that to happen is that like, KD and Kyrie, or one of them at least, stay with the Nets through the season. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, and then after the draft, 
one out again. <laughs> and then the Suns do some weird three-team trade. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know. So there's some possibilities. It seems a lot more difficult now because we really only have like we only have a couple of trade assets, really. Unless we're willing yeah. to give up draft picks. Unless the Suns yeah. are like, hey, we want your lottery pick or we want that Cavs lottery pick, assuming it will be a lottery pick. Knock on wood on that one too. Uh, but, you know, there's all kinds of different I mean, if they want to go the draft route, but I don't know why, unless the Suns were going to blow it up, I don't know why they want to go the draft route. So yeah. there are a lot of, you know, unless Miles looks amazing next year with Halliburton, maybe they're like, hey, give us, okay, now we want Miles. You know, who knows? It would, it would take a combination of Aiden, like, really wanting out and us somehow having something they want, which yeah. I don't think we do. Yeah, well, I'm just tired of hearing Suns fans on social media talk about how they just like, oh, oh they fleeced oh, us. Yeah, yeah, you fleeced us. It's like, no, we forced you guys to offer him a max, and you didn't want to. Yeah. Then they're like, we made you guys cut Dwayne Washington Jr. so oh, we no. could sign him. I'm like, oh, okay, so like the eighth guard in our rotation was that big yeah. of a loss. Like, I like Dwayne Washington Jr. Yes. as a player, whatever. But it wasn't like we were losing any sleep over the fact that they cut him. Like, it's like, oh man, that stinks. Like, and we also oh. could have re-signed him. Like he, yeah, he hit waivers, so he could have resigned him. Yeah, I think uh, Scott Agnes you know, has he resigned anywhere? Yeah, he. That's what I was saying. He just signed a, a two-way okay. contract with the Suns, and so okay. the Suns oh, fans were. That's funny. David's been got... taking a Twitter hiatus. Everybody, just in case you didn't. Yeah, know. no, I'm not. Uh, I've been gone. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a small it's a small move, so it's not going to be big. So anyway, uh, he signed a two-way deal like two days ago with the Suns, and like Suns fans were like, "Yeah, f the Pacers in your face." It's like, okay, really get alive, people. Um, like but... you, they should be more like like f the Mavs, f the like they have they should be yeah. looking at better teams than the Pacers <laughs> for arrival. They're like we flee. <laughs> Uh, good for the you thing, the, the thing that gets me there is that, like, like there was no damage done like in this whole no. Aiton thing like did you not watch game seven I mean I, I plan on rewatching that Mavs Suns game seven for years <laughs> to come but I mean like just in the moment do are we already forgetting how awkward it was just watching DeAndre Aiton's body language on the court with that team and seeing how he interacted with Monty Williams and the whole thing of him not getting what he like, there's obviously it's kind of like what we were talking about with Miles is like, how much do you yeah. feel valued by the front office if you're not really being rewarded what you feel like you deserve? And the only reason they did that is because they it was either that or let him walk for nothing. And so yeah. it's like, sure, you can you might say, well, at the end of the day, they both got what they wanted, but not really. Like the Suns did not get what they wanted at the end of the day. Yeah, and also, like, no offense, but look on our starting lineup. We've got their 10th overall pick from just two years ago, Jalen Smith starting for us. Said he finally felt happy again. <laughs> he found his smile, basically, uh, being in Indiana instead of being in Phoenix. And, you know, it's like, I'm just like, you guys drafted this guy 10th overall and buried him on your bench and then literally lost Torrey Craig to the Pacers in free agency. Then we traded you Torrey Craig back to get your second, <laughs> your, your draft pick from two years ago. To um, not be playable in, in certain playoff series. Like he did, wasn't playing meaningful minutes. Yeah. Cause no, he can't no. shoot. And not to mention they could have had Tyrese Halliburton on that. And instead they took Jalen Smith. So it's just like, uh, okay. And all I'm hoping for is if we don't get eight next year, Carson, our dream comes true that we sign Cam Johnson with our cap money and take him away from the Suns and just say, okay, Suns, how's it feel now? Another one of your guys on our team. Um, but with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and do our draft. So we'll be right back after this. 
All right, we are back, and we are going to do a fun little exercise here. We're looking at the Pacers rosters from 2010-2011 season up until today's roster. So even though we haven't played any games, we got this current roster that the Pacers have. We're selecting players from that pool. And a couple things here just to let you listeners know. Number one, it is based on their Pacers career during this time. So for some reason, if somebody wanted to draft, let's just say Andrew Bynum, you cannot count his days with the Lakers as Andrew Bynum. It would be the two games that he played, and that's it. Um, same for like guys like Evan Turner. If you want to pick him, like it does not count for any other times he played with the uh, the tanking 76ers. So I that kind of stuff, yes, it does not count for anything outside of when they play for the Pacers. And secondly, we are not doing like draft picks that were traded. So for all of you thinking, man, who's going to draft Kawhi? Sorry, that's not happening. Kawhi Leonard did not play for the Pacers. He was never a part of the team, so he does not count. Neither does Davis Bertans, anything like that. So we did a random uh, generator here to see who would go first, and Carson, the baby of the group, he got the first pick. So I guess we're going to go in order of age. I'll have the second pick, and David will have the third. We'll do a snake draft, and uh, we'll start with Carson. With your first pick, who are you taking? I'm going with Paul George. Shocker no there. way. I'm not surprised. Why Paul George first? Four-time All-Star, two-way player. We know he can lead a team to the conference finals. He's got it all. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, I'm going to go second. I'm going to take Tyrese Halliburton. I, I, think, I, think, I think right now his ceiling is the highest. Uh, I know we're kind of projecting, but I do think the Pacers desperately need a point guard. Uh, I want my team to have the best point guard that is on this group. I feel like that's a position of weakness. Outside of Halliburton, there's not a lot of other great point guards. There's decent ones, but clearly number one there. And I think um, it was between him and another two players, um, probably some guys that reach higher peaks. But uh, I'm reaching here for the young guy. I'm going Halliburton. Any thoughts on that? I, I think it might be a, a, a touch a touch high. Um, I didn't know if he'd be there on the second round. That was my Yeah, it's possible. Concern. If it was, if, you know. You'll get to pick before Carson. I think if it was like the pick after that, he probably would for sure be gone. Because yeah. like, as you said, point guard's a little bit weak, um, but it's not the only spot that's a little bit weak. Right. <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, David. So you are up for your pick. Who are you taking? I got to go with Victor Oladipo. Okay. So you mentioned point guard being a little bit weak. Vic, I think I can have play the two, but I think he can do just fine with the one. I think, I mean, if you're telling me, you have to pick between Victor Oladipo to play your point guard or Darren Collison. I'm probably going to take Vic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot to mention, too, I'm going to be picking for Fachi here. He's going to have the fourth and fifth pick sure. in this draft. Um, but I do like the Vic pick. Um, I, I was torn between him. It's like, I think there's such a sour taste in everybody's mouth about Vic. It's kind of hard to see. I get that. Um, he was really good for like a year and a, maybe like a quarter. And other, other than that, he was just not that great. Um, a lot of injury stuff. He, he he is the points per game leader in Pacers franchise history. I know, but it's crazy. <laughs> one season. Yes, it's just one season. Yeah. So it's still crazy. It is crazy. Um, it's just weird. It, it's it's fun. I think you said Brogdon's like six or something like that on that he's list. Usually really high too. Yeah, he's like six, something weird. Like Reggie's um, like fourth. <laughs> what if I told you guys Brogdon was the highest points per game player last year? Would you believe me? Yeah, I guess because nineteen point one—that's crazy. The most I think points was like seventeen point eight. Yeah, the most points scored last year by any player 
was Demonte Sabonis with 888 points. I looked that up earlier today. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. But with that being said, David, you are up now. Oh, uh, excuse me. I got to pick oh, for yeah, Fauci. Fauci. I just yeah, said Fauci. that. I just said that. Um, so we're going to need some size here on Fauci's team um, because we know how he loves big men. And he's got a soft spot for a lot of guys that are just, you know, on the cusp. So we're going to go with former Pacer big man, uh, was a Carlisle disciple, Jan Mahinmi. So that is uh, who we're going first with Fachi. He's got the big Frenchman, Jan Mahinmi, and joining him in the front court, another Frenchman, Kevin Serafin. So Kevin Serafin and Jan Mahinmi are going to be the two twin towers for Fachi as he's building this dynasty of a team so um he sent me his rock he sent me his selection of players to pick from and so i felt like these were the first two top picks for him uh so david we'll go back to you for your next pick so now i'm kind of stuck in a conundrum so taking taking those big men there's only so many big men options for the Pacers, um and only so many point guard options so i can go with the point guard to number one bring down the average of what's left or go with the big man. My issue with the big man is they're all kind of in the same realm of like, so like who's the best? Is it Roy Hibbert? Someone could argue that. Who's the best? Is it Sabonis? People could argue that. Who's the best? Is it Miles? People could argue that. Right. And I would be happy to see arguments for any of those. And, and I wouldn't really push back too much about anyone saying that either of those three is the best. Well, then I'm going to go with because of the fact that I have Victor Oladipo. So I'm not trying to just take the, the best five players. I'm trying to craft the team here. So we know that one of those big men has a lot better chemistry with Victor Oladipo than the other two. That's Tomas. Okay. I'm going to go with Sabonis my, my next pick here. Nice. I would have taken him probably next because I thought you might have went a different route here um, with your second pick. I don't know. Carson, were you expecting Sabonis to go here? Yes, I actually I did a little mock draft in my mind, and I had Stabonis at number four. Mock okay. draft in my mind sounds like a. I, I, I guess I technically have it in my notes app. Okay, I'm so <laughs> well, a mental exercise. I mm-hmm. am going to take a position of need desperately for this team, and I think this player would have benefited from having a point guard like this. I'm taking Danny Granger. Ooh, nice. Um, I know you only really had two good years with the Pacers during this time before he went down with injuries, but. Um, he can play the three or the four, depending on what kind of style I want to play and how I want to build this roster. Lights out three-point shooter, probably one of the better defenders, if not. Um, I don't know if he's as good of a defender as Paul George is, but I think he was really good in his prime, being able to guard LeBron in those series. I mean, it's, nobody can do it great, but, I mean, he did a really good job. And uh, I think people just kind of sleep on Danny Granger a little bit. So, yeah. Um, yeah, when I was wondering how we were, these were going to fall, I was thinking if I had three and four, I would probably take uh, if I if he was there, Depot and Granger back to back. So I didn't know what you were going with there. So um, I'm I'm going to go with Granger here. Any thoughts on that, David or Carson? It pains me to hear you say uh, bring up the fact that Danny Granger never had a worthy point guard. He he deserved the world and. He just didn't quite stick around long enough to be able to play with Halliburton. Oh, man. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, he went through the Jamal Tinsley era a little bit towards the end of it. And then point guard-wise after that, I I mean, who was it? Was it Collison? Collison. Yeah, they, they, yeah. He probably had a little bit with George Hill, I guess, didn't he? But he was hurt yeah. of that. Yeah, he did. I'm trying to think who they had before George Hill. Was it like uh, A.J. Price? No, not A.J. Price. I'm going to say Anthony Johnson. Yeah. 
Anthony Johnson, yeah. That's who it was before that. So it's just like, <laughs> I think Halliburton would be a perfect guy to get him looks that he needs uh, for sure. But um, I was really hoping to pair Halliburton and Sabonis together. I thought that would have been a really fun duo as well. But that Vic Sabonis duo is pretty deadly. Uh, Carson, you got back-to-back picks here. So what are you doing? Yeah, so I'm starting to sweat with this whole point guard situation. So I feel <laughs> like I got to go with a a good point guard. Um, so I am gotta, I'm going to go with Malcolm Brogdon. Okay. Um, uh, to play my point guard spot. Makes sense. All right. Who are you going with here at um, your next pick? I'm, I think I'm going to follow suit with, um, I think, yeah. So I'm going to follow suit with David and I'm going to take uh, the big man that played with my, uh, core player, and I'm going to go with Roy Hibbert, two-time uh, all-star. Uh, so, Man, Roy, you, you guys are really trying to force me to take Miles Turner, I think. <laughs> we talked about this before uh, the podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? <laughs> We're like, David's like, I'm going to do this random spinner so it makes Alex not pick uh, one of the centers he wants. Um, <laughs> I worry about Hibbert <laughs> holding up long-term. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so that was uh, interesting. I wasn't sure which way you were going to go here because I feel like you're more of a Turner guy, Carson, so I thought you were going to pick him there. Um, but Listen, for me- if, when I, if I got two guys that I know are starting caliber players on a, on a uh, conference finals team, that I got to roll with it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to roll the dice here a little bit. I'm going to, you know, get my backcourt running mate here for Tyrese Halliburton. I'm going with Benedict Matherin. Uh Six overall pick this year's draft. I think people believe he can be something special. I am definitely projecting on this one since I do not have any NBA, um, you know, background to look off. So, like, you could look at this draft maybe in uh, five years and say, God, how did Matherin go this high? But you could look at it and be like, how did he fall? So, yeah, um, I think projecting-wise, I mean, we just watched what I saw from Summer League. It looks like Matherin's the real deal. And uh, now I've got my one, two, and three at least, or potentially. So that's what I'm going to yeah. stick with right here. I didn't even consider taking Matherin. I don't know why. I just like was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hasn't played yet. So I was like, oh, whatever. Right, right, right. All right, David. So you got the next pick. What you thinking? So I am needing someone in that small forward range. And there's a couple of options. But I think that I want to go with someone that might be a little slept on. I don't know. Especially once Paul George goes. Uh, Danny Granger is gone. So you're looking at people that can play maybe the three, maybe uh, in someone a little scrappy, someone that gave LeBron some fits. Not Lance Stevenson, Bojan Bogdanovic. I was hoping for Solomon Hill there, man. Yeah. Solomon Hill is my backup. Your backup. Okay. Man, that's a, <laughs> that's a good one though. I was thinking about adding him to my roster on the next round. So um I like that fit there. Him, obviously, I mean, your guys all play together in that 17-18 season, David, so you got yeah, your chemistry yeah. there. I didn't even think about Boyan playing with them, but yeah, he did. Yeah, and now that and now that Fachi's up, I mean, man, this guy desperately needs some shooting, and uh, I think what what better pick than for Fachi than to look at the guy that he just recently did an interview with. We're going to go with C.J. Miles here. I think this is a super – Terrific pick here. I mean, what a, what a, I can't believe he fell all the way to 12. So, uh, CJ Miles here. And then just to go back with that, I think 
he needs a point guard, someone that's a little bit defensive minded, someone that probably was slept on here a little bit. You got to go with the holiday that was drafted a couple years ago, Aaron holiday for Fachi. So, I mean, looking at Fachi's roster, I mean, it's looking pretty tough for a playing team. So, um, but that's okay. We'll, we'll move on. I think Fachi is going to really like this team and, uh, yeah. uh, I'll give you guys his final thoughts after we pick yeah. the final five with the six man. So who do you got next, David? Yeah, I don't know what it's about. The, well, I don't know what it is about this team for Fachi, but it, 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 I think it feels like like it's something up his alley. So it's totally up his alley. So I'm going to go with someone here that I am kind of shocked is still here. Um, and honestly, I, I could I probably based off of a talent and ability, I probably could should have picked him over Boyan, but I knew that I'd, I knew I would be able to get both Boyan and this player because. I know Fachi already has the big men. So I'm going to take David West here. Okay. I need, I need a four. Um, <laughs> I don't have anybody. I, I, I'd be curious to see how him and Dawas can play together. They play probably, they occupy similar areas of the court. Um, so I think David West is probably a little bit better shooter, but they're probably both pretty bad from three. So that would be a big hole. That's part of why I needed to get Vic and Bojan in there. So hopefully that makes up for that. But uh, that would be a potential problem to point out is how did David West and Nomas Morris play together? That could be tough, but there aren't a lot of power forward options. <laughs> yeah, he's probably a guy that I could have taken last round. I, I thought about it as well. I just wonder, like, I think he would have been able to mesh well with either era. It would just been a little bit different for him. I think he's a little slow-footed guarding some of these quicker guys. But for sure. at the same time, I mean, his offense is so deadly that I think it could have really been pivotal for me, um, this is a tough one here. I'm torn between two players, but, man, I, I'm having a hard time here between these two. I guess I'm going to have to go with Bubble Warren. Um, Ooh, okay. I'm going TJ Warren here to keep my to keep my roster a little bit more modernized. Yeah. I guess I'm I was just, considering uh, Warren over David West. Yeah, so I think right now you've got Warren and Granger at the three and the four. You've got yeah. Mathern and Halliburton. You're pretty big overall size-wise, pretty switchable with everything. Um, you got guys that can get you buckets, guys that can shoot, and Granger and Mather and Halliburton can shoot. Um, obviously, Warren's injuries, you know, we're, we're, we're looking past the injuries here. People, if you're looking at this group and looking at overall, like, when healthy, I, I think that's something to put in there as well because, like, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things where we only saw one really solid year from Warren, so it's kind of a, a tough pick here. But I just feel like defensively we saw enough from him in that one season to think, hey, if he's healthy, you know, pretty good defender. So, uh, any rebuttal on that, Carson? Do you hate that pick? No, I'm actually quite upset. I feel like I've been hate drafted because <laughs> David West and Warren were going to be my next two uh, uh, prospects at those forward spots. So I'm in a little bit of a predicament, and I'm going to have to make a change. Okay. Well, you got back-to-back picks here, so what are you going to do? So I think what I have to do here is I have to maybe hate draft a little bit myself and I'm going to take Miles Turner. <laughs> I saw it coming. That's amazing. I have, we have a, a six-man spot, so I am okay if we are worried about Roy Hibbert not lasting. Um, <laughs> I think I, I don't see any issue in having some insurance at the big man spot. Hey, go for it. <laughs> now I don't Got feel I, I don't feel weird picking him. <laughs> so um, now I do need to keep my core together uh again i was going to take david west uh david drafted 
David West. So he put a clamp on my plans to rebuild that 2013-2014 uh, team. But I still have a couple prospects. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to flex Brogdon to the two. I'm going to run yep. George Hill at my one. Yeah. Very smart. I like that. Um, I like your overall five there. I'm curious if you're going to pick with your next pick to kind of round out your total roster here. <laughs> I am too. Um, but I will I will go ahead and go next, and this is a guy that I was torn on between on my last pick. So I'll go ahead and pick him, and I might play him at my uh, – I'll probably play him as my sixth man, but I'm going to go ahead and take him here, and that's Thad Young. Alex, <laughs> that was my pick. <laughs> well, now you know how I feel. Yeah, Taking yeah, away yeah. some bonus from me and Bobby. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. so I like the way my team's looking in terms of, like, just wing. I feel like I'm the Raptors right now based on how <laughs> I've drafted. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I digress. David, let's go on to your next one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, man, Thad Young's who I wanted. So <laughs> – um, you're going to make me take the person I don't really want to pick, but uh, his Pacers career, if we're taking the whole career, yeah. actually pretty strong. We're probably kind of low on him somehow. I'm taking Lance Stevenson. I think he yeah. probably has a Pacer and a better career than George Hill and that young. And debatably, TJ, he had, Warren had higher highs, but Lance had some some fantastic stretches. There are Pacers fans listening to this right now that are screaming at us. Why didn't we pick Lance Stevenson until just now? I'm going to go ahead and take him here. And you're like the biggest Lance hater of the three of us. Out of the three of us, probably. And I don't, I do not, to be clear, no one send me your hate because I do not hate him, but I am probably <laughs> the one that's the lowest on him out of all three of us. Okay. So I just got a text from Fachi. He said that he is excited to finish out his top five with this pick. Uh, and he said, um, he has to start this guy next to Holiday because he is a terrific shooter and, you know, is a really pivotal part of the Pacers tanking last year. That's Brad Wanamaker. So Fachi is going to go with Brad Wanamaker here to round out his starting five. And then coming off the bench was a guy that didn't play here very long but played for a couple of games for us, and that is the one and only. Um, uh, let me make sure. Ty Lawson. Excuse me. Ty Lawson. Rounding it out for Fachi's top five with his sixth man being Ty Lawson. So that's a team that's a one you can't sleep on there, David. No, no. It's, I mean, Ty Lawson, if you don't count his Pacers career, the other stuff, pretty good. But I mean, it's a strong, it's a strong five with the sixth. So do you think that Lawson or Holiday start, or, or who's the sixth man? Do you think Holiday is the sixth man or Lawson's the sixth man? Or I guess, Probably Brad Wanamaker's six man, right? I mean, I think Wanamaker's got to start. He's so pivotal to this team shooting. Uh, Lawson's kind of that spark plug off the bench. Don't you agree, Carson? Oh, 100%. There's a reason why he was one of those other guys who was linked to the Pacers continually uh, throughout the course of his career. All right. <laughs> so, David, you're back up on the clock. <laughs> who are you taking? I'm at a bit of a loss. So at this point, I only have one name left on my list and I don't want to take him. So I'm considering, I'll, I mean, this is the last pick, so I, I can kind of speak freely. So I'm considering giving it to an honorary, an honorary spot, like like someone like Jeff Foster, just so they're like, hey, cool, we love Jeff Foster. Let's give him a spot. Was he um, on the roster then? 2010 and 11, I think he was. Or let me double check. But I, 
Uh, oh, oh, he was the backup because he got a flagrant yeah. foul against the Bulls. Yes, he was. Oh, um, man, that's a good one. I should have picked Jeff Foster for my center. Dang it. I'm also considered. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe, well, you can still get him if, if I don't take him. Uh, I also <laughs> considered Tyler Hansborough or Hansborough, depending on how you want to pronounce that. Um, and then to me, like, if I'm looking at what do I need, what's the best fit for what I need, it's probably someone like, I'm going to throw up in my mouth when I say it, but someone kind of like Mike Dunleavy. Uh, <laughs> it's like... It's slow it's, seconds, bro. It's kind of surprising that we can't get four really good teams here. Um, so, <laughs> actually, like, if CJ Miles was still available, I would take him probably right here. So that's probably a good, a good pull by Fachi to get, to get CJ that there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and quit being on the bush. I will take... Uh, Michael Dunleavy. Michael Dunleavy. Man, that's an interesting team you got there, David. Two white guys. Three good white guys. Wow. Yeah, that was totally accidental. (laughs) It's 50-50. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, this is where it's uh, getting tough for me because I got to get a big guy to go along with these players. And uh, right now I'm just scrapping the barrel. I mean, I'm looking at either Jordan Hill, Goga Batadze, uh, Trevor Booker. But I, I think I got a swing upside here. I'm going to go with the man that just came back, signed a three-year deal with us, Jalen Smith. Nice. I don't believe this. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what to do anymore. Jeff Foster. Jeff Foster. Let's go. But what do you have so far? You need another forward. You don't need a center. Take O'Shea percent. Yeah, O'Shea. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna have to that's what I'm gonna have to do. Have but to hear do. me out. Hear, hear me out. We got so Jeff I, Teague. I, so here here's a shocker. I'm gonna put Miles Turner on the trade block. <laughs> I've so, got my lineup. We're locked. If anybody, if anybody, needs, if anybody uh, needs, call Fauci. Call Fauci and see if he Miles Turner. Trade Miles Turner is available. <laughs> Just saying. But no. Um. For my for my powerful. Yeah. I I'm only left with the. I was. I thought Jalen Smith was going to uh, make his way to me. So I got to take O'Shea. I was wondering if you would take uh, uh, Isaiah Jackson, but obviously you don't really need another big guy. I thought about taking him too, but it's like, I think right now sticks can play a little bit more center than Isaiah Jackson based yeah. on his size and, and shooting ability. All right. So I guess real quick, I mean, Carson, you can pick your own if you want, but, who do you think has the best balance lineup? Definitely not mine. Um, picking one in six was rough, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> Paul George is great, but Brogdon is not a number two on a championship team. So Can I say this? I don't, I don't think I would have picked him. I don't in, think we have any championship teams here, just to be fair. That, that is fair. So really, in terms of starting five balance, man, that's tough. I, you know – the the Matherin, I didn't expect Matherin to get picked, so that's really throwing me off. Um, but I'm gonna take the middle ground of a team that I, so I'm I'm gonna go with David's team. I, I like the um, the Vic Sabonis Bowian chemistry. Add in a dash of David West, so I'm gonna go with David. No, I think this 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 team had the the closest sweep of all time. So. That's the closest thing to a championship level team. <laughs> well, I think that was the team before that was CJ, and yeah, they only was, lost by sixteen. It but was, it was it was big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say with David's team, 
it's probably the most balanced in terms of overall players and careers, um, like accolades, stuff like that. But I do worry about the defense overall. It's not good. <laughs> uh, so not a good defender. Bojan really was a good defender. My rim protection is pretty outstanding. You got to give me you that. Do have you, that. You have some really good defense, actually. Like, I think you're underselling your team a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, even if you put Hibbert on the bench and start Turner next to, like, you know, uh, Paul George at the Hill floor. And, Hill and Brogdon are good defenders, too. Hill yeah. and Brogdon, and they can shoot and O'Shea. I mean, he's got size. Might not be the greatest defender, but at least he's got size. I mean, I don't I don't think you're losing too, too much with what you got. Um, I would say my lineup is kind of interesting. It's more so, I think, players I like. <laughs> More than maybe the best roster. I think it's more swingy. Like it might have a higher ceiling, but also maybe a lower floor just because we don't exactly know some, you know, how good is Jalen Smith gonna end up being with the Pacers, how good is Mather gonna end up being with the Pacers. You know, we yeah. have you have you have three guys who have very limited um careers but could continue to be better. So yeah, I think Thad Young and Granger are like really good defensive people to have in your lineup as well, be able to switch. Uh, you could even bring T.J. Warren off the bench if you wanted to. I don't know if he'd really want that role, but um, I actually think we did a pretty good job. I don't know if you guys had anybody that we didn't draft in, like, your top 15, but uh, – one, one I, I had one. Who was it? Dar- Darren Collison. He wasn't okay. in my top 15. He was in my top, like – we did actually we, – we did more than 15. We did 18 players. That's true. Where, That's oh, true. We did eight, sorry, no, we had 24 players because Vachi had a team. Yeah. So, you know – in those, I definitely have him top 24 uh, in, in this area. And probably, I think, top 18. There's probably, you, you could argue, like, Mather hasn't played at all yet. Jalen had one season. Tyrese had one season. Um, you know, you could, any, you know, half seasons. You could argue some people, you know, the, the problem is he is undersized. <laughs> you know, there's some issues obviously there. So there are arguments against him. There are arguments for him being top 18, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, Carson, do you have anybody that we didn't list on here? So I I was prepared, um, especially at the point guard spot, um, to be ready to dig bottom of the barrel. David actually kind of kept us from having to dig very deep by taking uh, Vic and Lance. I'm um, kind of having those as his one and his two. Yeah. Um, someone who I think gets a little bit because of like the context of his time here that maybe gets a little bit of a tough break, especially because he was coming off of some great years in Atlanta. But Jeff Teague's actual, he had yeah. a pretty solid season as a serviceable starting point guard for the team um, where he was well, like 15 and eight-ish. Um, so I was prepared to take him um, if I needed to. Um would not also have been surprised if maybe uh, like Buddy uh, slipped up there um, or maybe even Karis or Chris Duarte. But I think um, for the most part, this one about as expected. Yeah, we didn't even – I didn't even think about Duarte. Isn't that terrible? Um, (laughs) I feel bad. It's just like you slipped my mind. I didn't write him down. Like that's a good point. Um, You mentioned uh, Buddy. I was surprised you didn't bring him up, Carson, as like somebody for your sixth man or something like that because I think he could really fit that role. Um, but yeah, there's, there's another player that just, I was just thinking about, and I just slipped my mind when you said those two names and I can't think of it. I'll come back to it here in a second, but go Uh, ahead, David. I think that we are also kind of sleeping on Fauci's team here. I mean, the one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet. So I think CJ miles might legitimately be in the top 18 of this draft. Yeah. Fauci got to steal there. 
is definitely, but also the thing we're forgetting with CJ Miles is that you get the Twitter presence of his wife, and that is a huge boon to your team. Mm. Great fan interaction there. So, you know, that's that's a huge part of, of bringing in CJ Miles. You know, you, you know, Fachi has the connection with him from the interview. So, like that chemistry between Fachi's maybe is, is, he, is he maybe the seventh man on this team? And him and CJ's chemistry pretty strong. So, you know, I, I think we're definitely sleeping on that a little bit. And mm-hmm. for Carson's team, I think that I think it's stronger than he thinks it is. I think the defense is going to be really good on that team. Yeah, man, it's it's just so funny to look back. I'm trying to think who that player was that I was just thinking about, and I can't even scratch. I can't even remember who I was thinking of. But there's someone that I was going to bring up as like a name that we probably don't talk about enough, and now I can't even think of it. So it doesn't even matter, I guess. But <laughs> uh, I hate when I do that. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like Kevin Serafin is a two time guest on setting the pace. So like Fachi. Yeah is a very loyal person. He has to keep that uh, connection there. Aaron Holiday is someone that, you know, he was just raving about. I mean, the only person I think that Fachi could have drafted here to make his team a little bit better was Gogo Batadze, one of the guys he was just like all in on at one point and then just backtracked as immediately as he could. Um, but overall, I don't know, Carson, if you caught it, but did you notice this a common th- uh, thread with Fachi's team? You know what? I are Have they all spent time in in the great capital of the u.s of a that is correct all of fachi's players whoa once played for the washington wizards ladies and gentlemen and you guys really think this guy is not a wizards fan i mean my goodness i mean i just uh we share an hbo max account and the disney plus account because it's just cheaper we just do everything together we split our money anyway and i was looking at disney plus and you guys will not believe what fachi has been binge watching wizards of waverly place <laughs> he he said i can't get away from you alex and that's the main character's name selena gomez is alex on wizards of waverly place Fachi has binge watched the entire season two times through on his disney plus account that's why he's in disney now so uh you can't make this stuff up i mean this guy is as committed to the wizards as anybody i've ever seen in my life carson you know, at, at some point you have to you have to respect it, um, the loyalty. I mean, you can't you can't buy that in, nowadays. It's it's tough to find. Yeah, I mean, and did you guys hear him on uh, uh, one of the other podcasts? He was just talking about how he's never that all that stuff. But I, I just don't I just don't buy it. I mean, uh, I think he told me offline one time that his favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz. So it's like <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. We just can't get away from the wizard. You know, you're allowed to like more than one team. And, you know, that's totally fair. I think that no one should question his Pacers fandom. But I think, you know, it's also obviously a soft spot in his heart for the Wizards. So that's okay, you know. I've always been a Spurs fan. You know, I rooted for the Pacers first and foremost. But my Western team was the Spurs. So, you know, you you can like more than one team. Carson likes the Mavs. So, you know, I think it's totally – I think he – you know, shouldn't I, I, he's probably a little bit nervous? You know that people will question his fandom, and they should not. No way, right? We know no, he's he brings the passion the every time. We know he's committed to the Pacers, yeah. but I think that you know, Fachi, I think it's okay for you to accept it. You know, I think it's okay for you to to embrace both teams. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys agree, like, please let Fachi know on Twitter at underscore facci. Like, if you're also binge watching Wizards of Waverly Place, and that's one of your favorite shows. 
like, please just message him and let him know, like, bro, I'm watching it with you. Like, this is great. Let's have a group chat and talk about it. Like, Fachi loves to be in group chats. Trust me. Like, this man is always hustling. So, um, and I will tell you this, Fachi does not listen back to episodes that he's not on. He doesn't like to listen to us talk um, because if he's not hearing himself talk, he don't want to hear it. So, uh, we're just, I mean, that's just the kind of magic that he brings to the table. I mean, he's a... very committed to the podcast when he's on it. But if I, hey, you do what you got to do, Alex, but I'm not listening to you talk. So uh, this is what he gets for not listening to the show. So um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. We're going to put a graphic out of all the teams that were selected. Let us know which team you would rock with out of these four. Um, and if you're rocking with Fachi, like, hey, that's cool, man. We 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 appreciate that. That's That's true loyalty and respect to all of our listeners. But with that being said, Find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three, on Instagram at Pacers Talk. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Flashy, like I said, is at underscore F A C C I. He's on Instagram at that as well. Um, you guys can hit him up there. He's got cute little pictures of his dog and Wizards hats and Wizards clothes going through DC. So you'll be able to see all that up and close. And uh, you guys can follow Carson on Twitter at Bigaluka, David at uh, is it Shady underscore Buffalo underscore podcast. Is that right? Yes. I got it right. That's off memory. So with that being said, if you're excited that Fachi is the biggest Wizards fan of all time, then David and Carson say these three words. Let's go Let's Wizards. Let's go Pacers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.